we're going to uh, talk about the importance of goal setting and uh, set up a framework and the, the application of goal setting. Uh, before we get started, uh, I want to uh, open us in a word of prayer. If you'll bow your heads. Lord, we come to you tonight and we just thank you that uh, you are uh, an awesome God. You are the, uh, the creator of uh, all things and uh, you love us unconditionally. And we just pray tonight that um, as we discuss goal setting as it relates to our finances and all of the other gifts and resources that you've given us that uh, what I say would be uh, pleasing to you and that we would use it for the building and the uh, glory of your kingdom. We just thank you for each person that's uh, come out tonight. I pray that uh, each person here will uh, get something that will be uh, useful and uh, most of all that you'll be glorified. We just thank you and we just praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to start. Uh, Mark, can you... Well, actually, let me set it up and then you can... I, I, I want to show you guys a, uh, a video. One thing is you can see I'm mic'd here and it's being recorded for some people who uh, couldn't be here who wanted to listen to it. And I've got a couple of video, or at least one video, and then we might show another one at the end depending on if I have time or not. Uh, so he's going to cut the uh, the mic whenever we start the video, but so I'm going to give a little bit more explanation than what I would. Uh, I want to show a video, and for the people who are listening on the CD, you can, if you want to see this at your home or wherever you are, you can go to uh, type in a, a search for uh, uh, Dick Hoyt or Hoyt Team and GodTube.com. And as you watch this, this is about a five-minute, uh, four to five-minute video. I want you to be thinking about how it relates to goals and goal setting. If you can show, started that video for on a workshop on goal setting. No right or wrong answers. Bob, what was that? Finish? They want to finish the race? Definitely, that would be. It was. It's a triathlon. It was, uh, and I think if I'm correct, what's a triathlon? That, that was the uh, Ironman, I believe, in Hawaii. It's 100, 140 miles. Uh, what is 102.6 mile swim? 2.4 mile swim. Uh, 118 mile bicycle ride and then 26.2 mile run. He says in one of the videos, not in that video, but in one of the videos that uh, I, I saw of him, I've seen that in a couple of different settings with making different points, but in one of them that I saw, he talked about, he gave the story behind that and he said his son wanted to run in a, uh, a 5K for some, I forget what it was for, but for somebody else, for some challenged child or something like that. And uh, he thought, well, you know, I can, I, can do, I can be his hands and feet. He said then after that run, uh, his son, St. Ricky, Ricky Tight, Ricky talks through typing on a computer, I think using his mouth, said, you know, whenever I am uh, competing, I feel like I'm not disabled. And so what started as a 5K run, now they're doing uh, triathlons. And one of the triathlons, and I believe it might have been uh, that one, was done about three months after Dick Hoyt had a heart attack. So he was, three months after heart attack, he was doing that. It's quite, quite impressive. But he didn't wake up one morning and decide, hey, I'm on uh, swim, run, and uh, uh, bicycle 140 miles, did he? That took a lot of planning, took a lot of time, uh, took a lot of goals in order to, uh, to accomplish that. And uh, I think that's a great example of, you know, if we 
have the right goals and the right preparation and set our mind to it, what we can actually accomplish. Is anybody here familiar with uh, a guy by the name of uh, John Goddard? He's considered uh, one of the world's greatest goal achievers. Anybody ever heard of him? So I'm going to tell you a little bit about him, and then if I have time, my, my two goals were to start on time, and I think I did that, and my other goal was to finish on time. So hopefully I'll achieve both of my goals and have us out of here right around 8 o'clock. Uh, I'll achieve both of my goals in this goal-setting seminar. If I, have, if I have a little bit of time left over, I'll show you a short video on this guy, but I want to tell you a little bit about him. He was born in 1925. And at 15 years of age, in 1940, he sat down and he wrote a list of 127 things that he wanted to, goals he wanted to do or accomplish in his life. And I'm going to read you just a few of them. I'm not going to go through the whole list, but he wanted to explore the Nile River, the Amazon River, the Congo River, uh, explore New Guinea. He wanted to study tribal cultures in Kenya, Ethiopia, Nigeria. He wanted to climb uh, Mount Kilimanjaro, the Matterhorn. Um, He wanted to learn to fly a plane. He wanted to uh, explore coral reefs in Florida. He wanted to explore the Great Barrier Reef in Australia. He wanted to explore the Red Sea. He wanted to visit the Great Wall of China, Vatican City, the Taj Mahal. He wanted to uh, land and take off from an aircraft carrier, play a flute and violin, learn water and snow skiing, learn to fence, learn jiu-jitsu, teach a college course, explore the depths of the sea, write a book uh, on his Nile exploration, which was one of the things on his, earlier on his list, learn French, Spanish, and Arabic, read the entire Encyclopedia Britannica, read the Bible from cover to cover, become proficient in the use of a plane, motorcycle, tractor, surfboard, Rifle, pistol, canoe, microscope, football, basketball, bow and arrow, lariat, and boomerang. I wonder how often that skill came in uh, in handy. That was just one goal. That last one was just one goal, all those things. That wasn't a number of goals. That was one goal. Uh, he wanted to milk a poisonous snake, uh, light a match with a twenty two rifle, uh, circumnavigate the globe, and he wanted to live to see the 21st century. Now, those are all things he, he did, he accomplished. And I just picked out a few, a few of those things. By the way, he, in uh, 117, which is milking a poison snake, he did that and was bitten by a diamondback rattler uh, doing, doing that. A uh, few of the things on here that he hasn't accomplished, um, he hasn't, he had Mount Everest, climbed Mount Everest. He hasn't done that, and he said he just couldn't raise enough money to do that. And he's 85 years old now, by the way. Uh, he, uh, one of his goals was to visit every country in the world. He hasn't accomplished that. He's about 30 countries short uh, of that. He wanted to follow the River Jordan from the Sea of Galilee to the Dead Sea. He hadn't done that. He wanted to appear in a Tarzan movie. That one's probably out now. Even though he said, uh, the last interview I saw with him was about 12 years ago, he said he still had hopes of visiting the moon, which is one of the things on here. Out of the 100 and, uh, I believe it was 27 things, and this was his original list in 1940, he's accomplished uh, about, uh, I believe it was 113 of these things on here. And during that time, he added to the list, uh, his list of significant things to do was, I believe, around 600. Uh, and he's accomplished about 500 of them. So he's, he's about 100, uh, 100 short. It's a guy who uh, set some goals, didn't he? Uh, and he wasn't uh, setting small goals. He was, he was shooting for big goals. And he started early in laying out the things that he wanted to do, and he's been quite successful at it. Like I said, the, most of the things that I've read call him the world's greatest goal achiever. If we get some time, I'll, uh, I wanna, I'll show you a, a video of him, but uh, if we don't, just you know, look him up, look up some of the things that he's done. Guy's still going at uh, age 85. Great example of the power of setting goals. Anybody read the book, What They Don't Teach You at Harvard Business School? 
Anybody want to take a guess on? I've got two figures uh, out there, 3% and 10x or 10 times. Anybody have an idea of uh, want to take a wild stab at, at what those two mean? Close. You must, you must have read a summary of it. Three, you are right. Three, the statistics show that 3% of the American public have written goals. Now, that lined up with a study that Harvard did in uh, 1979. They looked at their Harvard Business School graduating class, and they asked the question, have you set clear written goals for your future and made plans to accomplish them? Of the respondents, 3% said they had, answered affirmatively to that. Another 13% said they had goals, but they weren't written and they hadn't necessarily made plans to accomplish those goals. And that would leave um, 84% who really said just, no, you know, I really don't have any goals. I don't know what my goals are. Ten years later, they came back and they... Uh, interviewed the, that same class of, of 79 of Harvard Business School. And of those, um, let's see here exactly what, the of the 13% that had goals but they weren't written, they earned twice as much money as the other 84% of the class. Pretty impressive. But the 3% that had written clearly defined goals and a plan to achieve them earned 10 times. 10 times the combined total of the other 97%. Just shows the, the power and importance of goals. I've shared with a couple people, and I don't even remember who I've shared this with. I, I, I was set up to do this workshop, uh, goodness, I don't know, probably we originally set up the schedule about six, eight months ago. It's when it was set up, and I had put down what I was going to do, but I changed my mind at the first of this month that I wanted to do this goal-setting seminar after sitting in on a, uh, a goal-setting uh, teleconference was what it was, and, and thinking about, that was one of the statistics that jumped out at me, but really thinking about the fact that, you know, that's what I'm, as a financial planner, I help people set goals, help people define the goals, help people to implement the goals, but that's something that I have really not been doing well myself, and I've got the proof to show it. And so I decided that I wanted to do the goal setting, not only in the hopes that somebody else would get something out of it, but I always know that if I'm teaching something, I'm more into it and I study it, and hopefully uh, I will start applying this stuff uh, more, more um, vividly. I don't know if that's the word that I want to use uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. But even though that number, that 10 times, is a pretty amazing number, and, and that'll make you back up and think and can be a motivator, that's not all there is to it. It's not just about the money. That's only, that's one oftentimes small part of it. It's about all those other gifts and resources that uh, we're given. If we set goals and do a good job of uh, setting and then applying and then implementing and then following through with those goals, uh, we will be, can be much more efficient and effective for the kingdom, whether that be in more money so that we can give more or more time to devote to the things that are really important or more resources or, or whatever that might be. Um, remember, our goal is to accomplish uh, our goal, uh, to accomplish our God-given goals and objectives through the use of our God-given gifts and resources as Christians. That's what we are commanded. That's what we're called to do. So what I want to do is I'm on, uh, we're going to spend some time talking about the goal-setting process, and then I want to use uh, the, the handout that we, just to kind of work through some, some application-type stuff. 
First, let's hit, you know, one of the things that's often uh, debated, I don't know for lack of a better word, discussed, that might be a better word, is from a standpoint of, well, shouldn't we just wait on God? Do we really need to set goals? Well, let's, let's look at some scriptures, and normally I'd have somebody in the audience read this, but since I'm on uh, being recorded, I'll just read Proverbs 16:9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Ephesians 3:20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Proverbs 16:1 through3. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. When you look at that, does that, does that say we shouldn't be planning? We shouldn't have any goals? Is that what that says? Because sometimes I've, I've heard that said. I've, I've literally um, sat, I sat down. This guy was a, a friend of mine. I sat down with a guy years ago, and he said, uh, I want to do some planning, but I, wanna, I only want to plan for the next five years. And I said, the next five years, why? And he said, because I think Jesus is coming back in the next five years. And I said, well, you know, you might be right about that. I said, but think about this. If we plan beyond five, if, if we plan beyond five years and Jesus comes back within that five years, is everything good? I said, yeah. I said, yeah, you're right. We're all good. All Christians, we're good. I said, however, if you choose to not, I said, the Bible's pretty clear on no man knows the day. If you choose not to plan beyond the five years and Jesus doesn't come back, what then? I said, well, you got a point there. So, you know, we're, we're called to plan. We're called to be diligent. We're called to do our part while at the same time relying on God. There, there are two parts to it. There's God's part and our part. Our part is to seek God's will in what God would have us to do, and I'm going to talk about that a little more in a few minutes. And God's part is to take care of the details. Uh, four barriers to goal setting. Fear of failure, just flat scared. That would be one. Number two, we think it takes too much time. If you combine those two, I thought of an example. Uh, a friend of mine years ago, uh, at close to finishing undergrad school, said, you know, I really would like to uh, go to medical school. But, you know, I, don't, I just don't know. It's going to be tough. And, you know, once I get through medical school, I'll be about 31 years old or so. And I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure you can do it. And let me ask you a question. In six years, how old are you going to be if you don't go to medical school? You're going to be 31. And I think that was an example. And, and fortunately, I actually went on to medical school and uh, as a doctor these days, but those two things, when I thought about those two together, that was a, an illustration that, that came to my mind. Uh, fear of failure, and we think it takes too much time. Now, really, we think it takes too much time could be, you could take that down a couple of different roads. One would be, it takes too much time to plan. But I guess the question is, how much time does it take not to plan, or how much time do you waste not planning, would be one of the answers to that. Number three, we don't know what goals to set. Well, that's typically because we don't have a framework to use. And hopefully tonight we will uh, at least start a framework that can be used. There are many frameworks out there, but something that you can use to uh, start down that role of goal setting. Uh, we do not know how to set goals. Same thing would apply there. It's one of the things we're going, one of the reasons we're here tonight. Four reasons for goals. They provide direction and purpose. They're the finish lines, if you will. John Goddard, perfect example. Do you think that John Goddard would have done all of those things if he hadn't had clearly defined goals? 
I doubt it very seriously. If you don't, I've always said, if you don't know how you're going, how are you going to know when you get there? That's the way we often spend our life, just kind of wondering around, okay, whatever direction God sends me in. Well, there's some, there, there's some, uh, some wisdom in that, in looking for direction from God, but at the same time, planning. Uh, they help us to crystallize our thinking. If you know exactly where you're headed, you're more likely to get there. I often use, I'm sure most of you guys have heard me tell this a dozen times, but in planning, I often use the example of if I'm taking a trip, uh, never been on a road trip from to, trying to think where I'm never been, to, to Washington State. But if I was going to go from, to Washington State, first thing I would do is I would plan a route. That route looks a lot different if I'm starting from Rankin, Georgia, than it would if I'm starting from Dallas, Texas, or anywhere else. It's going to look different. What I need to know in order to plan that route is where I'm starting from and where I'm going. Then I can plan a route. Now, do I have to stay on that exact route that I plan? No, I don't have to stay on it, but I need to know, I need to have a plan so I can know when I'm off of it. And then if I'm off of it, so I know where to go back to if I get off of it. Those are two important things. They provide personal motivation. There again, I go back to uh, John Goddard. I'm sure that a lot of the things that he's accomplished on his list were because of the fact that he'd written that list at age 15 and he looked at his list he said, you know, I've got to do that. Uh, my guess is John Goddard doesn't spend a lot of time watching TV, would be my guess. Might be wrong about that. Uh, he doesn't, my guess is he, didn't, he hadn't wasted a lot of time in his life. Um, number four, the goal is a statement of God's will for me. If we look at goal setting outside of the Christian worldview, it looks much different. Is, is it useful and is it productive? Yes. But it looks much different than what it does for us as a Christian. As a Christian, we need to spend a significant amount of time seeking God's will for us instead of just setting goals. And I'm probably getting ahead of myself here. I think this is going to show up on another slide. It's where I'd really had it, but I, it's, it's wanting to pop out. It's wanting to come out, so I'm going to go ahead and get it out here. I think for most of us, or at least for me, I spend too much time saying, okay, God, here's what I want to do. I want you to bless it. Instead of saying, God, what do you want me to do? And spending time praying, seeking the scripture, meditating, and trying to determine God's will and saying, okay, that's, that's the goal. That's the goal that God has for me. So that's something that a, a somebody that's looking from a non-Christian worldview, that's going to be a step that's going to be, you know, that's not going to be equal to them, but they're also going to miss the, the importance of goals and the reason that God put us here. So those are all uh, four points or reasons for goals. What not to do in goal setting? Don't focus on the past. Just because you have failed at it in the past doesn't mean you'll fail at it in the future. Maybe the reason you failed in the past was because you didn't have a good goal and a plan. The second one, don't focus on your present resources. This one's interesting because... You know, even in, in goal setting, probably in a, in a uh, non-Christian setting, I'd use the same slide, but it's com or I'd use the same line there, but it's for a completely different reason. As Christians, if we believe that God, it's all God's and God owns it all, then our problem is not a lack of resources. That's not our problem at all. So... Set goals with the assumption that if this is God's will, God will provide the resources to accomplish the goal. 
Lack of resources for a Christian shouldn't be a reason for not setting a goal. If it's truly, if it's a God-given goal and objective. It's all God's. He has all the resources. So that's definitely something that we don't want to do. Uh, do not set goals apart uh, from or in disagreement with your spouse. Uh, Biggie, I could give some personal examples of uh, this one going wrong, but I don't have the time to. <laughs> and don't really feel led to, uh, particularly not since this is being taped. And that, that'd be admitting that uh, you know, I, I didn't, didn't get this right. But uh, it's a biggie. As married couples, are, we should set goals. And one of the things we're going to talk about is uh, uh, in just a few minutes will be uh, like goal-setting weekends and those types of things. So don't set goals apart or in disagreement with your spouse. Uh, do not forget to ask God what he desires for you. This goes back to where I jumped ahead a little bit earlier in saying, okay, it's not, okay, God, here's what I'm going to do. Here's my goal. I want you to bless it. It should be a, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Spend time in prayer and uh, the scripture, seeking God, looking for the goals that, that God has for you. So uh, don't forget to ask God what he desires of you as opposed to telling him what you desire. Wrong way to do it. Things to remember. Goals are the place where faith meets practicality and we move in the direction that God is leading us. That just carries on from the last point on the last slide. And I guess that really speaks to, to, from the, the perspective of not just waiting on God to, you know, to drop whatever is in your lap. I think about just as I read that, I thought think about a, uh, some friends of mine. They were they were twins, and, and uh, one of them was married, and the other one wasn't. And I heard somebody ask the one that was married one time about his brother. Do you think he'll ever get married? And he said, No, I doubt it, because he's waiting for God to just drop the perfect woman right in his lap. He's not even bothering to look. He's just waiting on that. And I think that would be a good example uh, uh, A good example of that. There's a place where faith meets practicality. If he's looking for a godly woman, then you know, I would advise him to go look in places where godly women hang, hang out. Probably not the bar. <laughs> okay, number two, gold setting is dynamic. Uh, write them in sand, not concrete. That would also apply to budgets. Uh, those two things kind of line up. I think the problem with that I, I see with people with budgets, well, oftentimes they make them too concrete. They don't make them flexible. They don't give themselves room. It needs to. It's dynamic. It's it's a changing thing. And so you need to write it in sand. Don't write it in concrete. Uh, number three, make your goals measurable. Again, I will refer to John Goddard from a standpoint. All of his things were very measurable. You know if you've climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Either you have or you haven't. It's not a, well, I might have accomplished that goal. Almost everything, you know if you've milked a rattlesnake. <laughs> uh, there's no guessing about that. They were very measurable. And that's one of the things oftentimes we don't make our goals measurable. And so we don't really have a target. Uh, number four, the process of goal setting is as important as the goal itself. The, the, I think as I wrote that, I think about the, who was it, Robert Browning that wrote the poem, The Station, talking about the journey. Everybody's waiting. That talks about the, the going somewhere and everybody's in a hurry to get to the, de the destination. But the journey is the, the important part of life. The journey is where everything is where life happens. Uh, the process of goal setting, uh, to, to have a process, to follow that process, to, uh, to implement it is just as important oftentimes as the goal itself. Okay, now we get to the handout that I gave you. If you want to look at uh, page one. And um, let's see here exactly where I want to start. 
Well, actually, I guess I'll just hit the, the four, uh, number one, one through four on this. Um, how much time, if any of you, spent as a couple, or if you're single, that particularly would, that wouldn't apply to you, uh, discussing your, finan- your family's financial dreams and goals? If you're single, it'd be just how much time do you spend thinking about it? You know the statistics, and I'm pulling some things out from my planning background here. The statistics show that most people spend more time planning their next vacation than they do their whole financial future. It's an interesting statistic. Uh, and it proves itself out over and over and over again. Uh, and would, have, would have probably apply in this case also. How much time was supplied the same thing? I, you know, there aren't any statistics that show us, but my guess is most people spend a lot more time planning their vacation than they do the goals that affect their life. Uh, do you think making time for this kind of discussion would be enjoyable and fruitful? Uh, and they've got a, uh, in parentheses here, consider going on a goal-setting dinner date. Uh, I've got some handouts up here, or I can send you. I've got a, I think I've got about five each, five for married couples and five for singles. Uh, if you don't have enough, we can either copy them or I can send you a, uh, a PDF version of uh, agendas for goal-setting weekends that are very detailed uh, and very good. Number two, if you had unlimited financial resources at your disposal, what would you do differently or how would your life change? Spend some time thinking about that. And when you think about that, think about the statistic that shows most people who win the lottery are bankrupt within seven years. I think, I'm trying to remember exactly what that statistic is, but uh, I'm wanting to think it was about 60% within seven years are bankrupt. Why is that? Well, it's probably because if you can't handle a little, you can't handle a lot. Same thing would apply here. Different situation. We're not talking about winning the lottery, but we're talking about, you know, if you had unlimited financial resources at your disposal, what would you do differently or how would your life change? Well, what, do you, what are you doing now with a little as opposed to what would you do with a lot? Number three, what are some things you've always wanted to do but have not been able to do because of financial limitations? Here's where we go back to uh, resources. You know, when you're doing goal setting, yeah, if it's truly a, if it's a God-given goal, resources won't be the problem. God's got plenty of resources. But if it's a Scott-made goal, resources might be the problem from it. So there's where we got to distinguish on, you know, what's the pur- why do I have that goal? What's the purpose of it? Uh, those kind of things. Number four, can you think of one or two major financial concerns that you have or financial situations you want to avoid? Uh, as you think through this, just think about those uh, those questions. Now what I want to do is if you're familiar with the Master Your Money, you're going to be familiar with these buckets. Um, for those of you who aren't, for those of you who are, would be a little refresher. And for those of you who aren't, I will try to explain. This is a concept that Ron Blue developed. Uh, and when I first saw it, I didn't particularly like it. But as I learned it and began to understand it, uh, I like it a lot and think that it is a great way to think about your finances. Uh, basically what Ron Blue says is you've only got 11 places that money can go. If you think of places your money go as buckets up here, there are only 11 places that it could go. And only five of those places can it go in the short run, the short-term buckets. And I'm going to do them in the order that, that you probably should think about them. The first one's giving. Your income comes in. First bucket's giving. What do I give? The second one are taxes. What do I pay in taxes? Those two should be really not negotiable from a standpoint. There's, you know, according to scripture and law, uh, those are must. The amount, 
might vary, but they're not a they're not options. The third one, some people would argue with me about this one, and they would say this should be the fifth one, but he puts it in the third spot for a reason. The third one should be saving and investing. The reason he does that is because if you make it number five, you'll never have enough money when you get there to put it there. It just won't happen. So you should put it in front of the last two buckets. The fourth bucket would be debt, and that would be really this debt. You'll see there, there are two different. There's a debt here in the short-term bucket uh, category, and there's freedom from debt in the bottom. This would be, for instance, paying enough to just keep your debt kind of floating alone, never really making any headway, maybe not going backwards, but just keep it, keep it moving along. This would be, you could almost refer to this as your minimum payment type bucket here. And then the fourth, fifth one would be lifestyle. You know, a lot of people say, uh, is there any scripture that tells me what lifestyle I should live? And there's not any implicit scripture, but Ron Blue makes a very good point in if you take these four buckets and total them up, or actually you take your income and you subtract what goes in these four buckets, then that's what God's lifestyle for you is. That's the lifestyle that you should, God desires that you live at least at this time. Now, those are the five short-term buckets. Great thing about this third bucket is, if you've got money in that, then that opens up the door to six new buckets for you. If you have no money in that, you only have five buckets and one of them you don't have anything in. But if you got money in this bucket, it opens up the door to six more buckets. And those six buckets would be financial independence. Now, most of y'all know my thought process on retirement is we have a, in our society today, we have a very skewed idea of retirement. Things like Social Security and pension plans and those kind of things that are relatively new, I guess they're phenomenons, new programs uh, that are probably pretty much going away, most of them appear to be anyways, are not really biblical and they take us away from the biblical perspective. And so I'm not a huge fan of saying, okay, uh, I want to retire at 60 and play golf and watch TV and, you know, whatever. I am a huge fan of having a plan to say, hey, I want to have enough money so I can retire at 60 so I can do, go where God calls me, maybe go to the mission field, maybe wherever God calls you uh, at that time. Uh, so financial independence, whichever one of those, those camps that you're in, either one of them would apply here. Uh, charitable giving, this is really the giving beyond what we're, you know, the Bible calls us to do. This is the giving beyond what we give to the church, typically. This is... Um, an example that I think of, and I can't remember the guy's name, in uh, Tennessee, I believe it was Memphis, that decided that he was going to cap his income at a certain level, and everything above that he was going to give to kingdom work. Well, once he did that, his company, who was struggling initially, grew so much that once his company got to uh, be worth over $100 million dollars, he decided he was going to give 99% of his company away to kingdom work. Uh, great example, extreme example of that, but also a great example of how if our goals are good goals, how God has all the resources and God will bless them. Uh, freedom from debt, this third one down here on uh, long-term uh, long-term buckets, this would be the literally the getting out of debt. The, hey, I'm not making the minimum payments anymore. I'm doing the Dave Ramsey snowball. 
Uh, this, is, this is literally freedom from debt. Uh, lifestyle desires, this would be, uh, maybe one example of this would be, you know, maybe God, maybe I won't and it's God's desire for me to have a, a bigger house so I can entertain more people, whatever the case may be. But this would be lifestyle things. And typically I would try, this is not specifically the case, but the difference for me a lot of times between these two, uh, these are what I call depreciating assets usually. These are things that you buy them and they depreciate in value. A lot of times these are appreciating assets either financially or for the kingdom or whatever the case may be. But these are things that... Uh, potentially have more value later on than they do now. Um, family needs would be things like college education for your children, those, those types of things. Uh, new businesses, if you want to uh, you know, start a new business, need the capital to do that. One thing that I'm definitely getting off of the, uh, the goal setting on this, but one thing that I just think is so profound, yes, Russ? No, not really. The, yeah, the long term, and quite honestly, he, I have never heard him say that he had them in the order that you're supposed to. It just occurred to me when I was looking at these one day that, hey, these are in the right order. These are, he's lined them up in the right order. So I, I need to ask him that. Actually, sometime was that, did he do that intentionally or, or was that just a revelation that, that, uh, that I got uh, on that? But no, those, those could be definitely... You know, because for, for some, for, for, as a matter of fact, I would argue as a planner, that one should be before that one in most cases, particularly if it's consumer debt. Now, there again, I don't want to get too far off of what my goal is here tonight. I want to stay on goals. But if it's consumer debt, uh, if you've got a lot of consumer debt down here, you're not really, you're going to have a hard time reaching that. Uh, if it's, you know, my opinion, a little bit different than Dave Ramsey, I think there's some debt that can be beneficial to have in certain types of economic environments. So I'm personally not a person that would say always be out of, never have any debt. Sometimes I think it makes good sense. Um, one thing I was going to say, and I said this is getting off a little bit, but uh, when you look at this, one of the things I try to instill uh, in my kids is that every dollar that you spend, particularly up here, right here in the lifestyle, means typically what you're doing is you're increasing your standard of living for a short period of time in exchange for decreasing your standard of living for a long period of time, particularly if it has to do with debt. That if you're the, these two, uh, yeah, if we go out and, you know, whatever, you, you know, splurge big time, go out and, yeah, I'm just throw, I'm throw out and say, we go out and buy a Mercedes. Uh, yeah, for a few years, that would increase our standard of living, but if we have to finance it, it's probably going to decrease our standard of living for the long term. So just uh, something that in working through this just uh, jumped out at me and I thought was very, very profound. So that explains the, uh, the buckets. Now, in setting goals, what, what you want to do is on the right side there, see your, your short-term buckets, your giving, taxes, debt, lifestyle, save and invest. Uh, each one of those buckets try to think of a, a dream, desire, goal, or challenge as you work through that. And I would encourage people, no matter how ridiculous it seems, if it comes to your mind, put it down there. If you've got a number of things, put it down there. You're going to see what you'll do as you work through this. You will, you'll refine this. doesn't matter how ridiculous it is. Try to think of at least one thing in each one of those that would be a uh, current dream, desire, goal, or challenge. Don't, don't try to make it. You don't want to make it defined yet. You'll get to that point. Do that on the short term. Do that on the long term. Just put them down there, whatever comes to your mind.
And then, see, how are we doing on time? I think I'm going to make it. Then, once you've done that, you go to page two. And on the le- at the top of the left side, you'll see there are five blanks. And the reason I didn't staple these was because of the fact, you, at least for me, in order for me to do this, I have to be able to look at both of them at the same time. Then what you want to do is you want to go through and look at what you wrote down on page one and prioritize those. Pick the five highest. And what I would encourage people to do, he doesn't put it on here, I would encourage people to start with number one, or you could start, you know, whatever, whatever's the, whatever you think is the most important, put that at number one. Second most important would be number two, or you could start backwards. Start the fifth most important, number five. Uh, not necessary that you do that. I think it's helpful for me. Uh, and just to give you an idea of why I do that, I do that in, uh, in budget counseling and budget. A lot of times what I'll, I'll encourage people to do is sit down, list all of your expenses, and then say, okay, if I was only going to pay one of these, which one would I pay? And make it number one. If I only had enough money to pay one of these, which one would I pay? Make it number one. Then, okay, that one's paid. If I only had enough money to pay one more of these, which one would I pay? That's number two. And you work your way down. And what that does is that helps you determine once you get to the bottom of it, you can look and you can say, well, you know, this is prop, the things at the bottom are things you probably need to start considering cutting if you need to decrease your budget. Uh, it gives you a good framework to, to work within. Uh, then if you move down on the, on the left side still, uh, and remember what I said, you don't, you know, initially on these first two, you don't want to make these too defined. We're defining them, we're refining them as we go. Now what you do is make them quantifiable or measurable. Take those five goals. I'll give you a good example of that. Let's say that my number one was, let me pick something out of here. Let's say my number one was I wanted to be able to retire at age 60. I'll use the example I've already used. And out of these on page one, that was my number one. So I carried over to the page two, number one, uh, retire at age 60. Now on the second one on the left side, what I would do is try to decide, okay, what does that mean? How much money do I think I need at age 60 to retire? And as a planner, what I would encourage people to do is I'd put it in today's dollars and say, okay, in today's dollars, if I had, and I'm going to just throw out a number, $50,000 a year, I, I could retire on that. And then either with the help of somebody like me or with software or whatever, it's quite easy to figure out what does that, you know, if, if I got 20 years until age 60, if I'm 40, it's pretty easy to figure out what the, um, the average rate of inflation is. I'd probably bump it up for the future because I think we're headed to some high, high inflation years. Uh, as a matter of fact, I bumped the numbers up about, 2% on my long-term average of, of what I used a couple years ago uh, on that. But we can figure that and we can say, okay, this much money right now would provide $50,000 a year at age 60. And so then it becomes quantifiable and I can measure it against, well, how am I doing? How much of this do I have? How many more years do I have left? If I got this much now, I know I need this much. Remember, we got the starting point, we got the ending point. Got this much now, need this much at age 60. Then how much do I need to make up? And then we can even convert that to how much then do I need to, what kind of return do I need to get on it? How much do I need to, to uh, be saving, putting away, investing per year? That would be one example of that. And you can do that, uh, like I said, while we're primarily focusing on finances, 
you know, definitely the same process can be used for anything, like as, you know, what I listed out with John Goddard. None of those were related to finances. Those were related to things that were non-finance related. Other than the fact, it was interesting to me, a couple of the ones that he hadn't met, he blamed on uh, lack of resources in order to do it. So uh, must have not have been a God-given goal. It's the only thing I can say on that one. Um, anybody have any questions on that? Okay, then if you go over to the right side, finally in looking at your goals, spend some time writing down what you'll need to do, uh, what you'll need to do to, as you begin to implement them. Uh, who you need to involve in the process, how you make the necessary changes, how you track your progress and create rewards as you go. Basically, I kind of, I actually combined a little bit of that in the other one, but uh, really you need to have a plan. Just having the goal is not sufficient if you never look at it, if you never measure yourself against it, uh, if you just make a, I won't ask who made a New Year's resolution uh, on that, if you just make a resolution and then never look at it. As a matter of fact, that's one of the things that I thought about as, as I was uh, decided I want to do this. So, you know, Used to, I used to sit down, I would, uh, company I worked for forced me to write a business plan. I'd have to review it, I'd have to do all that, and uh, lately I haven't had to do that. And so the problem is, even when I've made goals for myself, I just kind of, uh, I make them, and then I kind of forget about them. Uh, in some cases, I don't implement them. I definitely am not reviewing them. So all of that, you need a plan in order to do that, okay? How often am I going to look at these goals? Uh, am I going to look at them weekly, monthly? Uh, am I going to review them yearly? You know, at minimum, you got to be reviewing them. If you're not reviewing them yearly, you're probably not serious about setting the goals. That was, that's kind of my problem. Okay, any questions uh, on that? I've got uh, a number of questions also for anybody that wants to you know, go through an intense goal planning uh, not a weekend. I've, I've got a series of questions you can kind of go through. Be happy to provide those to these uh, goal setting weekends. Uh, are very good. As a matter of fact, it's got an agenda. Friday evening agenda, Saturday morning agenda, lunch break, Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, Sunday morning. Now, you know somebody that is task-oriented wrote this. Big time. And uh, they're, they're goal setters. And then uh, a series of questions, goal-setting questionnaire. And there's, like I said, there's a different one for uh, single people and married couples. I'll just give you a couple of examples on this. Uh, the first series would be financial questions. A couple of the financial questions would be, uh, do I feel comfortable with the amount of money we make? Uh, is there anything we can do to improve our financial situation? Uh, do we have an adequate amount of life insurance? Uh, what about home health, auto coverage? Do I know how to locate and use the policy information? Uh, are we giving away the right percentage of our income? Are our gifts being used for the right purposes or organization? When's the best time to give? Weekly, monthly, or on some other schedule? How much debt do we have? Is that an acceptable amount? Uh, should we try to get out of debt or should we avoid it altogether? How much are we saving? How much should we be saving? What are we saving for? How often should we set aside money and where should we put it? Uh, why are we investing? That's a, good, that's a question that a lot of people don't really answer. Say, so I want to invest, but they haven't really thought about why they're investing. Uh, it's very important to do that. Uh, those would be an example of financial questions. Marriage question. Is our marriage headed in the right direction? Uh, do we clearly communicate to one another? Uh, should we go out more often? Uh, what do we want our marriage to look like five years from now? It's a great goal-setting question. And all, you know, if you're talking about finances or marriage or whatever, that's a great. What 
does success look like? And write it down. Define it. Family questions. If you have children, how many children would, I, would we like to have? Uh, do we consistently and properly love our children? Ooh, that's a great question. Do we consistently and properly discipline them? What are the most important character traits we want to see our children develop? Those are some examples of uh, family questions. Spiritual questions. Am I spending consistent quality time with the Lord? Is my spiritual relationship stagnant or progressive? Should we have, do we have family devotions? Should we have family devotions? What should they look like? Am I providing encouragement to, to, uh, for my spouse? Should we be uh, more involved in personal evangelism? What are my primary spiritual gifts? What are my spouse's primary spiritual gifts? Social questions. Uh, is there a proper balance between the time spent at home and away from home? Should we be making more of an effort to get to know more people? Are we involved in the community, school, and social organizations? And then uh, physical questions. How can I improve my eating habits? Uh, are we getting enough exercise? Are there any skills or sports that I would like, that I want to learn? Uh, do I need to lose, gain weight? It goes back to the old New Year's resolution, doesn't it? So those are, those are just some examples. Uh, I'll be honest with you guys. I have never done a, uh, a goal-setting weekend, and uh, it's definitely something that I want to do and need to do, need to make a goal to do that. One of the things, as I was looking through this, uh, it occurred to me that most of the most successful people in the financial field, it's quite interesting, they have usually, most of them, like once a month, they'll have a goal-setting day. A lot of times they even leave their office and they work on goals. And what's been always interesting to me is most of these people pay uh, coaches uh, uh, lifestyle coaches or coaches to big money to help them do that type of stuff. And I, I, sometimes I kind of was like, man, I don't need anybody to, I don't need to pay anybody to help me do that stuff. But then I think about, okay, they're doing it and I'm not, so maybe I do <laughs> need to. Now, what I need to do is I need to set a goal and I need to follow through or I need to implement and then follow through with it. So I am, I'm goodness, I'm five minutes over, and, but I am through. Any, uh, any questions? Yes, Matt? Definitely. You're right. As a matter of fact, I meant to mention that. Make a measurable, quantifiable, and a time frame on it. On a lot of goals would be, because otherwise... What you'll do is what I did last week. I'm a list person. I do make lists of things I need to do, but I rearrange my list constantly. And so at the first of this week, I look back, and I had a lot of things that I should have done last week on my list of things to do that I didn't get done last week. And so instead, I'm doing them this week. What I should have done is I should have said, okay, you got to get this done today or yeah, whatever the case may be, time frame. Where do you put uh, like life insurance? Yeah, that would yeah that would really go in lifestyle. Uh, is where that would typically go. Lifestyle is probably where you would you would put that. Most most of the things that don't clearly fit in one of those buckets. Now, you could argue that, you know, life insurance maybe I probably wouldn't. That's not not probably where I'd put it. I'd put almost everything that wouldn't clearly go into one of these four buckets would go into the lifestyle. Mortgage would clearly go into uh, lifestyle. As, well, I say clearly go into lifestyle. Depends on who you ask. Uh, Dave Ramsey would say it goes into... 
Yeah, okay, you're right. Yeah, you're right. It, it, yeah, if you got, actually, I was thinking more about a house than mortgage. Yeah, we're going to debt. You're all right. I stand corrected uh, on that. I guess what, what threw me off there. You're right. You're you're definitely right about that. And probably to give you an idea of where I was going, I was thinking more along house instead of mortgage whenever you said that. And that's why I said lifestyle. A good example would be Ron Blue would say that you never consider your primary residence, you would never put it in in the save and invest. A lot of people would say, okay, well, it's, my house is a good investment. And yeah, it might be a good investment, but that shouldn't be the primary reason you bought it. If that was the primary reason you bought it, he would argue that you're, you're, probably your priorities aren't right. It's primarily a lifestyle is what it should be. It might be a good investment, but you don't want to... An investment you should be able to sell, get out of at any time. Uh, if you got a good enough deal on it. And his point is that you wouldn't sell your house just because somebody offered you uh, a, a profit on it kind of thing. So, yeah, I think you're all right from a standpoint. It would, the mortgage would probably typically fall uh, in debt. And to kind of go back where you thought, that, what you were talking about, where it could go into either one, um, you're definitely right, but it would also fit into the fact that most people... You know, their consumer debt is much higher than what it should be, too. And that what it's doing is it is it's increasing their standard of living right now, but decreasing it in the long term. Anybody else? Okay, well, thank you guys. I would just, as a uh, final comment... I encourage you to think about the goal-setting weekends. I'll put that out and just make it a goal to set some goals. Thank you, guys.